always soccer in Philadelphia on a Tuesday, heading into Halloween, and everybody in the Delaware Valley is pumped up about your Philadelphia Union going to the playoffs for only the third time in franchise history. Actually, no, they're not pumped up because they got to play the same team that kicked their ass on Sunday on the same shitty field that really should not be a field. But, you know, as it goes, you can only play who's in front of you on the field that they put you on. So it's Philadelphia Union, New York City FC, first round of the playoffs. And if the Union win, guess what? They get to play New York, the other New York. So you would finish the season theoretically if they win with New York Red Bulls, New York City, New York City, then Red Bull and Red Bull. So that's a hell of a way to end the season. Kevin Kincaid is here. Uh, Baxter is, uh, where is he? He's downstairs asleep somewhere. Uh, Dave is not here, but I think we were going to try to do a, uh, a, a post-game podcast after the, uh, after the game. We're just both crammed right now. I've got uh, Sixers all over the place, and Dave's jammed up with other stuff right now. But we wanted to get in. You know, I wanted to get something in before um, we have the playoff game. Because what kind of what kind of podcast would we be uh, if we half-ass it? You know, right before the playoff game, only the fourth playoff game in Philadelphia Union history. So I just wanted to throw a little mailbag together and uh, let you guys get some uh, some questions in. And uh, I figured I would just go on that and we'd get something up. So you know, I don't think I don't think this is going to be the best podcast that we've ever done. It's not going to be the quick glance uh, of Bork Dochkow, and it's not going to be the Sebastian Latou interview, which uh, to date are the two most listened to podcasts that we've ever done. But we will try to try to get something in here, and we'll try to talk about uh, a game in which they got beat on a corner kick. They conceded an own goal. They missed a penalty. They uh, had an argument on the field between two players, and then the striker was benched and ended up being in tears on the sideline. That's not exactly uh, how you want to finish out the season or go into the playoffs. Um, but, you know, listen, I am actually okay with, with Corey Burke showing that kind of emotion because at least, you know, it says that he and Boric Dojkal at least look like they give a shit. You know, how many, how many teams, how many times – have we seen union teams and union players just sort of whatever and not really care at all and not show any kind of passion or interest in it? They would just sort of be at this point in the season. They're normally just bottling it up and getting ready to go on go on holiday for the winter and and bug out to California or Florida or wherever. So that that's a good thing, you know. And if I'm Jim Curtin, I don't I don't think I really change much in that department. You know, he was, Corey was also on the yellow card too, so that had something to do with it. Um, but we shall see how that manifests itself going into Wednesday. Um, all right, let's get some questions in here. Mike, uh, Brandon Vincent is retiring. Clearly Kincaid doesn't know what he is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been, I've been listening to this shit for ever since 2016, but I said in the past that I felt like they could have got Yarrow, Vincent and Rosenberry with two, three, six, you know what I mean? And obviously, obviously I should have known that Brandon Vincent was going to retire after three years. And, uh, you know, it's it's revisionist draft history. Just like all those people for all those years who said that the Eagles should have took Earl Thomas over Brandon Graham. And then Brandon Graham actually, you know, made the play that won you your first Super Bowl in franchise history. Oh, and Earl Thomas has a ring also. So maybe both of, both players ended up being good. Um, 
Let me see here. Brian says, would you buy Jim Curtin's book, Like for Like, A Guide to Soccer Substitutions? Yeah, that's some snarky stuff there. But uh, listen, you know, realistically, I think going into this game, you're looking at the width of the field, a terrible field, uh, you know, the sod kicking up all over the place. You can't space the field. You can't do a lot of what makes a union good. The union are, are a space and, and possession team. Uh, Harris Madunian's game is almost negated uh, entirely, you know, because he can't spread out. He can't ping the ball around. Ray Gaddis and Keegan Rosenberry didn't really, you know, have a good grasp on the positioning and how to how to uh, how far up to be because they can't really. You, you you find space from the center back by going forward. They can't go any further out because it's such a narrow field. And I think that just like crammed up their midfield, which is predicated on on moving and spacing and being a very good possession team. So how does that? you know, affect the subs in the starting lineup. I mean, I still think you start Madunian in, even though it's it's a it's a game that really in a field that really warrants a, a destroyer two way midfielder kind of guy. I really think Derek Jones would be a nice choice um to play in this game. But I, I don't know if you you pull out one of your veteran players, one of the best players on your team, um, just because they're not a stylistic fit necessarily. I mean Harris just played on this field two days ago. So you go home, you get a good night's sleep, you get all the, the angst out of you, and you watch the film and you say, okay, I just did this, you know, where are some spots I can pick on the field and how can I be more effective? Um, maybe he plays forward a little bit more. Maybe Bedoya hangs back a little bit uh, because there's not as much running for him on a smaller field, and so he had, doesn't have as much ground to cover. Um, he's not going to be gassed. So that's something to think about. I think the one change I definitely would do is I'd consider starting El Cino. Um, over CJ on the wing because I just feel like it's a really really good fit for El Cino, uh in smaller quarters um, you know where he thrives uh, you know tight spaces being able to run against defenders being able to use some of his moves some of his tricks and turns and things that he does that'll give them some more uh, going forward especially because they weren't really getting anything with CJ in the possession game going forward um, that's probably the one thing I would do if I if I change 11 it would be that but then on the flip side you have to consider that you know it's a one-off playoff game and there's no you know, it's not done after 90 minutes. If it's tied after 90 minutes, you're going to extra time and maybe penalties. So do you save El Senior for that, put him in at 60, and then let him play 30 plus maybe another 15 and 15 or something? Um, that's probably the, the biggest thing I would think about, you know. Uh, what else do we got in here? Um, Andy says, could you go for the reverse jinx and pick New York City this week? Yes. <laughs> Actual uh, – well, yeah, and I looked like an idiot after that pick, but like I said, I was hacked, you know, because I, I would never tweet something like that ever. Um, here's an actual question. If you were Ernst Tanner, would you bring Curtin back next year, win or lose? And does manager salary play in the decision? So, I mean, I think it was reported. I think it's kind of common knowledge that, you know, this is Jim's last year of his contract and, you know, you're trying to identify the accomplishments that they have. 15 wins is the best that this team has ever had. 50 points is the best this team has ever had, but they also had 14 losses. And so the fact of the matter is, that even the best team in Philadelphia Union history is still one one game above 500 because they really didn't have a lot of draws this year. They only had five draws. So you look at the other accomplishments. He's gotten to the U.S. Open Cup final twice, um, you know, in 2014, 2015. He got to that same point this year and did not eclipse it. He got to the playoffs in 2016 uh, as a sixth seed, the same seed that they have this year, and time will tell if he eclipses that. But – you know, I, I don't I don't know if the, you know, Ernst Tanner is going to have to say he's going to have to weigh. How, how do you how do you weigh and value and quantify 15 wins and 50 points versus failing in all the biggest spots that they had this year? 
Um, to me, that's a disconcerting thing because at the end of the day, you know, we were saying, okay, w- would you like to have the U S open cup trophy or a playoff win or a playoff win or the other? Um, and if they don't come home with either one of those things, then really what did they achieve? So I think that's what he has to be thinking of, but I don't, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if there's enough of a sample size of the positive things that they did this year that, that overrides the other three years that Jim had where they were an under 500 or a, you know, like a 500 kind of team. Uh, who would be your top coaching options to replace Curtin? I don't really know yet. I think that would be for the next podcast, but, um, you know, it's obvious that they like the, the youth movement or whatnot. And I don't know if you bring in anybody else right now who does that better than Jim does. Um, what should our offensive bet? This is from El Dupe, El Dupe Oligo, Oligo. What would our offensive bench options be? Do you agree with only El Senio and Simpson? I mean, well, Com's not in there, so it's going to have to be El Senio definitely. Jay Simpson is better on this field, I think, because it's not it's not really a, you know, there's not a lot of hold-up play. There's not a lot of target man play on this field. You don't stick CJ up there and ask him to fend off two center backs because it's just so scrunched and narrow that it's not like, you know, it's easier for a guy like Jay Simpson to make a little run in the channel or in behind, as, as you saw New York was doing to, to the Union all, all weekend or, or all, all uh, Sunday. Um, so it's got to be Elsino and Simpson. And I think you just have to hold that last sub for like a Derek Jones or a Warren Carvall or something like that. Um, and if you get to the point where you're leading in this game, you just try to junk it up. Uh, Kevin says disputes happen. Uh, this seems like it's been around for a bit. Is there maybe some toxicity in the locker room that we never uh, knew about? Uh, it's hard to say because I'm not on the beat anymore, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I honestly kind of see it as a good thing that they're yelling at each other. And it was interesting to hear what Jim Curtin said about that. I, and he alluded to the fact that I think they wanted CJ to, um, I'm sorry, CJ, um, Corey Burke to kind of limit the, the, the center back's ability to bring the ball up. Um, so that's, that's something I'd be interested in watching tomorrow or Wednesday, you know, if, if he starts or if CJ starts or whoever, you know, what kind of pressure is applied uh, to the center halves as, as they get to midfield? Because I think that's, you don't often hear, you know, Jim say stuff like that in those kinds of situations. Um, but I don't, I don't see, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I, like I said, it's, it shows that people care and that people give a shit. And, uh, you know, most, most, in most guys arguments, you know, we, we generally, at least in my experience, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but, uh, normally what you do is you blow up at the other dude and you yell some shit at each other for a couple minutes and then you get over it, you know, um, I don't think there's always lingering stuff necessarily. It's not like a bunch of backstabbing, insidious kind of stuff. You you blow you blow your top, and then everybody gets over it like five minutes later. So I don't really see that being a being an issue. Like I said, I think it just shows that they care. Um, Kevin also said, "Does the sixth place finish really make this the best team ever?" Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I you know that that twenty. 11 team obviously finished third, but they had fewer points because they had more draws. So I don't know. I guess it just depends on how you value a draw versus value winning or how much you value, you know, a draw versus not losing. You know, there's gray area there. I I don't know how I feel, but I've said before, Dave and I talked about this before, I appreciated the fact that they tried to play the same way uh, home and away for a majority of the season, which is why, you know, you go out and you, you try to, bunker in and play a Jose Mourinho bullshit style on the road 
and maybe you get three draws on the road for three points, or you go and you play an up-tempo attacking kind of game and you lose two games, but you win the third one on the road, and that gets you the same amount of points as playing like assholes. So do you like continuity or not? I think that's probably the question there. Uh, it's from Dupe. Uh, a yes or no rapid fire round. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, does Jones see the field? No. Does Curtin sub before 62 minutes? Yes. Uh, does Burke get more goals than yellow cards? Yes. Is the trusty big game curse over? Yes. Should Philly roll the trash truck into the Bronx? No, because they just don't. That's just not their style. Uh, can the union sign Latou to a one-day contract to be on the bench? Yeah, you would wish, right? Uh, but I don't think Sebastian would be good on that field either. You know, he's a guy who likes to stretch the field and get running. Um, yeah, trusty. It's just disappointing. You know, I, I honestly feel like the the field and trying to get used to that field and the crappy sod chewing up everywhere. I mean, it's just sometimes you just don't feel like you have your feet underneath you. Um, I was playing Casa last week or two weeks ago. And it was a little bit wet. Uh, it stopped raining, but it was that Saturday morning. It was really crappy. And it was raining. And uh, some guy hit a ball in, and I just, like, totally shanked it off my shin and almost hit an own goal on it, you know. But I saw it coming the whole way. You, do, you just don't feel like your your legs are attached to your body sometimes. And, uh, you know, they also had the funky play, too, where Trusty cleared it off a of Gaddis or Gaddis hit it off a of Trusty or whatever the hell that was. And, uh, you know, it was, it was more scrambling kind of stuff there. Um Versus, I don't think like positionally they were, they were too out of out of whack there. You know, I, I don't. I mean, structurally, I think it was more a product of them not really knowing what to do on that field. You know, Trusty has never played on that field before. McKenzie's never played on that field before. Dogecoll and, and Burke have never played on that field before. So that's four. You know, that's four members of your starting eleven who had never played on that that shit before. So I think it's going to be a big deal. That's probably the biggest. Honestly, that's probably the biggest storyline going into this game. You know. Uh, John says, who is more shades of green, Sherwin-Williams or Yankee Stadium for, for any New York City home match, Yankee Stadium? You know, I talked to somebody once who said that they walked the field at Yankee Stadium and, you know, not, not necessarily relative to the dimensions of the field, but the shape of the field. They didn't think that the corner flag matched up with the corner flag at the, at the other uh, uh, diagonal from it. And they basically said, like, they said to me, they're like, Kevin, I, I think it's, I really think it's shaped like a rhombus. Like it's it's skewed so that it's kind of like crooked a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know. That was like two years ago. So I don't know if, it, if the dimensions are any different. I can't imagine that they would be because it's not like the stadium has changed. But, um, you know, imagine playing a really, really good season and coming this far only to lose on a rhombus. Uh, Mitch says, Trusty has a sick left foot and an eye for goal. Would he be better utilized as a striker? Uh, it's too soon for that. It sounds like a DeGeorge uh, tweet right there, a little snark, a little uh, snarky Twitter heroes going on there. Uh, Chap says, CJ or Ilsenio on the wing to start? I would start Ilsenio. I would. I really would. And then you can bring CJ in to, to bang with guys off the bench. I like CJ off the bench. You know, I do. Uh, EJ says, um, so we know Harris will play despite all the reasons he shouldn't. Um, is it because Curtin trusts Harris too much or Jones too, too little? I mean, it's a little bit of that for sure. But again, Harris was one of your most reliable veteran players through the entirety of the season. I just, I just don't, you know, I, I, Bedoya didn't play a great game the other day either, you know, but you'd never drop him either. So I think it's just back to what it was at the beginning of the year. It's just that he trust he trusts his two veteran guys over the over the younger guy. You know, you've come too far 
I think I, I think we all know it's a stylistically Harris is just not a good fit for the, for this field. You've come you've come too far to to lose your season by making a decision based on the dimensions of the field. And it's shame it's a shame that it, that would even be in discussion at this point. You know, uh, Sam says, "What's your eleven against New York City tomorrow?" Uh, it's Burke, it's Ilsenio, Dutchkow, Pico, Bedoya, Madunian, Rosenberry, McKenzie, Trusty, Blake, and left back. I mean, you can make a case for starting Fabinho. You know, because because Ray, Ray Gaddis, uh, you know, thrives in space where he can sort of sit there on that left flank and he can knock the ball around with with Madunian. You know, he's never going. He's not a burner. He's not going to get forward. But transitionally in defense, he's good at getting back. But there's not a lot of a space for him to operate and show that skill. Um, you know, on a smaller field. So I I think if you were going to sit anybody, you know, it would be Sapong, Gaddis, and Madunian, and you can make the biggest case for. But but I don't I don't think he's going to change anything. Uh, what's the beer of choice for the match, or uh, suspecting how it will go? Do you just go with moonshine and hope you black out uh, before the end? Yeah, I don't. I got like a bunch of like a uh, victory down in the fridge. I think there's like some sour monkeys in there actually, which are like they're also like nine point million percent alcohol, like the golden monkeys, you know. So maybe. Uh, I got Sixers tonight. I got some like other sort of bullshit tomorrow. I need. I should just be like, like drunk for the next forty eight hours, and maybe that would help help get me through a through the busy week, you know. But uh, the correct answer is any beer. Uh, um, Mike says I also want to hear your thoughts on the uh, Philadelphia D three NISA league team that was announced. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I mean, I saw the press release. I don't know too much about it. Um, I mean, it's nice, I guess. I don't, I can't say I really care. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to be, who the players are going to be, or if they're going to pay them, or, or if they're going to be, you know, just borrowing somebody's small field or something like that. But uh, I will make a better effort to learn more about that. Uh, I know people like it because it's like a non league ish kind of, you know, contrarian kind of thing or whatever. But I, I don't know. It doesn't really, like, my focus has always been on let's, let's, you know, the team that we have here, let's make that team decent and, and do that. You know, um, that's really it. I think there's, there's one more actually that somebody, uh, sent me on a direct message. Um, my question, okay. Here's from a direct message. Uh, my question for the pod is this, if you had a shooting contest between, uh, Okay, if it was Markel Fultz shooting 10 threes versus Ray Gaddis hitting 10 left-footed crosses both in game conditions, uh, who would be more successful? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, – yeah, I don't know what's uh, – <laughs> it's not the strength of either one of those guys right now. But, I mean, I guess I would say Markel Fultz shooting 10 threes because Ray, Ray's just not – yeah, I mean – he only puts how many crosses into the box per game, like one. And that's with his right foot. So he's not, he's not going to put nine, you know, more in there. Whereas Markel uh, has only shot more than 10 shots this season in like two or three games. So uh, probably kind of a wash there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's, no, oh, I got another question here. I'm sorry. Um, Jim mentioned a lot of adversity uh, and personalities the team overcame in the locker room this year at a couple of pressers. What's that all about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the Ernie Stewart stuff, maybe a calm in there. I really have no idea. You know, 
ironically, I get off the union beat on the year that they're actually like interesting and there's stuff to talk about. So go figure. I think that's just how, how things kind of work out. But I did inherit the Markel Fultz um, bullshit at the same time. So there's never, you know, there's never a lack of excitement. I think no matter what, what beat I end up on, but listen, I mean, it was, it was really, really disappointing on Sunday. I don't know how else you can say it, but if if you're looking for a, a silver lining, you know, you, you get a chance to go rectify that right away. You know, now those four guys who didn't play on the field, they know what it's like to play on that field. Um, and the things that they did wrong, you look at the tape and you got a chance to go back and correct that right away. So, you know, listen, it was, it was, Two to one. It was two nothing. Um, you know they came back and scored right away. It was a two to one game. I, I mean I liked the response. Um, you know they missed the penalty. You know and that would have made it a one a one goal game at that point. So it, it's not like it was. It's really not like the whole thing was total despair. And you know positive is that 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 New York City defense is not lock tight. You know and the Union have shown that they can put in some goals this year. So you know you go back to the drawing board. You take a look at the film. You say okay this is where you guys need to space and where you need to stand. This is what they like to do. Um, you know, and the first game, the last game on Sunday really doesn't mean shit at this point, you know, so you can go one and one against New York city in, you know, in a Sunday, Wednesday, but it's only the second game that really matters. Um, so you go, you play well tomorrow, you win tomorrow. Nobody really gives a shit about Sunday anymore, do they? So, um, that said, I, I don't know, you know, if they win tomorrow, I don't think they beat New York. I don't think they beat Red Bull. You know, a home and home, but at least they force a, a home playoff game for the first time since 2011. You know, and that makes Ernst Tanner's job really, really difficult. You know, if they go, <laughs> if they go and win against New York City, uh, and they're at least competitive in a home and home um, series with Red Bull, then I don't, I don't really know where you go, but I don't envy him. Uh, but we'll save all that stuff um, for the after the game podcast, Dave and I are going to do like a, you know, a full, like kind of hour long, hour 20 long wrap at the end of the season. Maybe George will come in and we'll get a third person to do that. Um, but I just want to try to get something up now, at least something to listen to. If you don't mind me rambling and uh, answering your questions, because I thought it would be inappropriate if we didn't do anything before the playoff game. So that's it. It's always soccer in Philadelphia episode 60, whatever. Maybe we'll have a playoff win to talk about next time around or maybe not.